Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Pick 6 Podcast. I'm Brady Quinn here with Leger Doosable. It's Tuesdays on a Wednesday. Love to see it. No Will Brinson. Uh, unfortunately, I believe he's filing his workman's comp claim today. After the slime in the fall. Still working with that hair. Vegas. So <laughs> Still handling that hair. Hopefully that'll work itself out. We'll be able to get him back sooner rather than later. We want to remind you that this episode of the Pick 6 Podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. We're going to start off our show talking about a lot of different things in regards to the combine and one of my favorite segments, read between the lines. A lot of the things that we're getting <laughs> like that. from the combine, from coaches and general managers. But I first want to start off with this. It's that time, Leger. It is that time. It's the NFL PA report card <laughs> for all the teams. Ooh, ooh. Over 1,700 players All right, took a survey, and they were ranked uh, the, you know, the facilities, ownership, all these different things. So I'll start off by giving you kind of like the best and worst. Yeah. So in regards to the overall team working conditions, all right, the Dolphins actually ranked number one amongst their players. I can see that. And who would you guess would be last? The Bucks. Uh, no, they were down there, but it was actually the Washington Commanders. That doesn't but, surprise me. With the new ownership group, <laughs> you assume that might get a little change. Yeah. Okay. What about uh, their coach? Who's Coaching number one, staff? you think? Who's number one? It's Andy Reid. Right? Right, it's Andy Reid. That's yeah. fine. There you go. Ding, 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 ding. And then who was number 32? Probably coach that's no longer there, Josh McDaniels. That's right, Josh McDaniels. <laughs> All right, last one. Ownership. Now, this one was a little bit surprising. This one was surprising. Okay, I so, cheated on this one, so okay. I know. But it, you can go ahead and say it. Like, I did not see this one coming. So, number one was? It was Steve Ross, right? Stephen Ross, yeah. right? Which makes sense. Like, if the facilities are voted number Correct. one. Which, what do you say the players were saying about the facility? Yo, Javon Holland said it was the burgers that the <laughs> chef Ant makes that put them over the top. And I think Jalen Ramsey replied and said it was the Berea tacos that put yeah. them over the top. So I, the, yeah. food, the food will definitely get you up there. I was there in 2014. Now, that was before they moved to the new practice uh, facilities. But I would say this. Even their old practice facilities were pretty, pretty, pretty nice. nice. Pretty yeah, nice. they had a nice spread. The stadium oh, was Mr. Ross nice. will cut that check now. Yes, He'll he will. Yes, check. he will. Now, who was number 32 as far as ownership? So I cheated, right? And I found it. And I was so surprised. It was a team that won the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. The Hunt family. Mark Hunt, yeah. Wow. I, just, I didn't see that coming. Do you have some of the – I think I saw some of the things – there was a number of things I kind of wrote down, like yeah. uh, the more for treatment of facilities, like the teams who got an F, which it, it's interesting. Um, in regards to the treatment of facilities, Kansas City 
wasn't rated last. Yeah. Even though, like, I would say if you look at their facilities, they're a little bit older. older and correct. so they, they, you would think that they'd be more on that list. Mm. But uh, whatever the case is, I'm not sure if there's disgruntlement. That's what I'm, are people just hating because they keep winning? Is that what it it's is? It's not maybe? people. This is voted I'm by the players. players. I'm not players hating yeah, because I mean, they keep winning. I would think that if you're Patrick Mahomes, you're not voting as an F on this. So I'm, <laughs> exactly, I'm, I'm trying to think, who is it? Like, who's, who's unhappy there that's a voting F for uh, Clark Hunt? Maybe guys that aren't superstars on the team. Maybe. Maybe I they don't, don't get that star treatment like Travis Kelsey or Chris Jones get, you know? That was very surprising, though. But uh, as far as F's for, uh, you know, treatment of the facilities, et cetera, Arizona, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, and Washington, the bottom of the list. Uh, The Chargers are there, too. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. So Jacksonville's interesting because didn't they just get a new facility? No, they they're trying to revamp all of that. Up. Oh, so that's what new it stadium. Is. They're trying to revamp. Yeah, so I now. played there in 2010 and 11. If it's the same, it's it's it bad. It's bad. It <laughs> bad. It's bad. I mean, look, we both play for the Jets. Jets facility yeah. is phenomenal. Woody Johnson best. puts a lot yeah. of money into that. I'll tell you the one I saw earlier this year is the Minnesota Vikings. The Wolf family, my goodness, they've made really? that entire complex. There's like a nice hotel across the way. I think really? a lot of the hockey teams stay there, actually. And it's right across from their facility. Ooh. It is unbelievable. I would put Minnesota up versus well, I wonder Dolphins. when they revamp that, because coming out of college, that's where I went, and it was a little bit on the older side. It, it, it's like, it's definitely more recent. Okay. It's definitely more recent. So there's a lot of great facilities out there. And then Dallas, obviously, ranked number one amongst players as far as that goes. Minnesota was up there. Carolina. Yep. Um, the other Carolina thought, was up there. Huh? The other one was Buffalo. Buffalo. They just revamped theirs, but was it low or higher? No, it was high. Yeah, they just revamped theirs. Because yeah. when I played there the year after I left the Jets in 16, it was still a little bit on the older side. I was going to say, I've been there before, and I was like, man. I, yeah, yeah, they, they, they recently just revamped it. Matter of fact, remember, I went there for the wild card weekend. I saw the facilities, and it was really nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, we talked about, we're going to transition now. The NFL Combine is amongst us. And, uh, look, uh, I went there as a player. Dudes, we've kind of been there to kind of cover it. And yeah. this is one of my favorite segments we're going to talk about because you hear a lot of these sound bites from coaches, general managers about like yeah. what's going to happen. And I, I think the segment's kind of appropriate because you have to read between the lines <laughs> with a lot of these head coaches and general managers because they're not going to say anything. Yeah. They give you coach speak. I'm going to start off by the first one. Um, and this, this news is that the Chiefs uh, are going to release Marquez Valdez-Scanling. Um, they're, they're basically going to save about $12 million against the cap. Yeah. Uh, I'll just start off by asking you this. That's some of the news we've heard. What do you read into this? Because I, I know he struggled at times last year, but he yeah. didn't make some big plays when they needed him to. Down the stretch, he was clutch. And I think Patrick Mahomes came out, said it during the year, that he's going to keep believing in his guys. And we saw him make that big-time clutch catch. I think it was versus Buffalo in, in the divisional round and man coverage. He made that catch. I think he made another one next week in the AFC Championship game versus the Baltimore Ravens. To me, this has little to do with MVS and more to do with the players they have to sign or – are looking to sign in free agency. When you look at a guy like Chris Jones, right, who's kind of come out and said that he wants to be back now, that was kind of different from last year, right, Brady? Right. Because he held out, missed week one, uh, was disgruntled about his contract. But I think he realizes that they have truly something special with Kansas City. Kansas City. And I don't think he's going to take a pay cut, but he might take a little less than he may make on the open market, but he just wants to be paired fairly for what he does on that defense. And you also see LeJerry Sneed is another guy that – They've tagged, right? right? And looks like there's rumors that they could be a tag and trade because they have to pay Chris Jones a lot of money. Right. You're thinking about maybe paying him up to, upwards to $30 million. So if you can, you know, spread some money around or, or maybe release some players to get some cap relief, I think that's what they're doing right now. The interesting thing, too, is I think for all those players, right, as they won back-to-back Super Bowls, you've got that trump card in your back pocket if the Chiefs were like, well, 
I mean, if you want to play for less, we'll just find someone else who wants to come here and try to Correct. win the Super Bowl with us, right? Mm-hmm. And that's always tough, I think, as a player because as much as money is the single most thing you're trying to fight for uh, because you have that window of time where you try to maximize your market value, you're also trying to win that ring. You're right. also trying to win the ultimate <laughs> prize, Correct. and you know you're going to have a shot if you're with Patrick Mahomes oh. and Andy Reid. So even to LeJarius Sneed and the way they're handling that negotiation, he's a great player. He yeah. should be able to cash in. But if he has to play one more year under the tag so he gets another ring, it's like that's not the worst thing in the world either. Especially right around $19 million, right? Yeah. And, but if you look at it right, I think they've they've been ready for this to happen with LeJarius Sneed because they've done a really great job of developing some of their young talent, especially at the secondary position. Trent McDuffie was a guy when, when he was coming out, even though he was in a stacked corner class with Sauce, and Derek Stingley, I said he was my favorite corner in the draft just because of the, the toughness aspect. Like the things that they asked him to do at Washington, that's exactly what Steve Spagnuolo is doing with him at the Chiefs, right? Putting him in the slot, blitzing him off the edge. And then when they need him to take away the guy in the slot, they're like, you got this guy man to man. We saw what he did to Debo Samuel in the Super Bowl. And let's not forget, right? When uh, Steve was hurt last year when they won the Super Bowl during that run, it was Josh Williams and Jalen Watson that had to step right. up as rookie corner. So you got to think that they're going to take another developmental step in. The Chiefs are sitting back like, we can't pay everybody, right? We'd probably rather play Chris Jones than, you know, LeJarrius Sneed because we have some good depth at corner. So I think that's that's one of the reasons why they're going to most likely tag him and trade him. Yeah, I want to get back to the MVS conversation only because there's a signal to you more that they're going to sign a bigger wide receiver, and that's what they're creating cap space for. It's not so much about, you know, what we're talking about on the defensive side. Or is it maybe we go, they go back to the draft, stay cheap, even though, you know, the draft picks that they've had, at least in years past, haven't really kind been able to hit, right? <laughs> not the way they had hoped, yeah. I think, that they would be. I mean, obviously, you found Tyreek Hill. Well, you found Tyreek Hill. He's no longer there. Yeah. But clearly, they've, they've been able to find some players in subsequent rounds. Well, this is the interesting thing, right? Because there's rumors that Mike Evans could be in play, right? And this is a big receiver that they really haven't had on the outside. Would probably open up, you know, more for Travis Kelsey over the middle. Right. Um with letting MVS go and that $12 million, does that help you? Or is it more so just because they have to pay Chris Jones a lot of money? To your point, right, they've taken receivers pretty high in the draft that just haven't panned out. Sky Moore still hasn't, was, a, I believe, a high second-round pick, and so yeah. was McCole Hardman, right, a high second-round pick. But could this be a draft where there's some big-bodied receivers like A.D. Mitchell or Keon Coleman, and they're in the back of the first round? Do they go that route maybe instead and try to develop a young guy for the future uh, while still paying – Chris Jones, and maybe even getting lucky because the cap went up $30 million right. to keep a luxurious team for one more year. I do think it's interesting, too, when you look at roster construction, because that's a lot of things we talk about this yep. time of year. If you see so much soft zone coverage mm-hmm. versus Kansas City, and I wonder if there's a thought, too, like as much as you'd say, oh, we want to have burners, guys who can run through those zones. Typically, teams nowadays, when they play the Kansas City Chiefs, like their secondary is going to be deeper than the deepest, yeah, right? It's going to be too high. So, so do you sit there and say, well, okay, we're just going to combat that by having those bigger body wide receivers mm-hmm. who we feel like we'll be able to get yards after the catch, yep. yards after contact, or can go up and get the high point of, of the contested catch or high point the football in traffic? Because that's how, if you're going to make us earn the football down the field that way, we feel like we're just going to go ahead and put a bunch of big power forwards out there to go catch the football, try to stop that. And, and that's the interesting thing, right? Because if you look at the evolution of this Chiefs offense, they really haven't had that big bodied receiver, right? They've had MVS as a speed guy who tried to replace Tyreek Hill, who was a guy that was, because of his speed and MVS's right. speed, opened up the middle of the field for Travis Kelsey. So now teams have combated that by going too high, shell more zone coverage. It'll be interesting to see that 
maybe if A.D. Mitchell falls to us at 32 or Keon Coleman falls to us, maybe we can use this big body receiver, like you said, for one in the red zone because we know the Chiefs refuse to run the football in the red zone, but it gives them another big body target to get the ball to. And to your point, if they do go two-man, if he has an opportunity to go up and catch the ball like a Keon Coleman and A.D. Mitchell, it'll be interesting just because um, Patrick Mahomes hasn't had that type of weapon in his offense. That's right. I think it could really open up the offense even more. I don't know how much two men he's going to get, though, especially the way he was running the Super Bowl. That's <laughs> for sure. So let's Take transition to the Bears. Um, this is the quote coming from the general manager there, Ryan Poles. Quote, it just depends on what opportunities pop up. I will say, if we go down that road, I want to do it right by Ooh. Justin as well. So this is obviously talking about the potential of trading Justin Fields, given that they have the number one overall pick. Yeah. Read between the lines here, LeJean. <laughs> to me, the writing has been on the wall, Brady. I mean, if you keep Justin Fields, Brady, you as a quarterback can speak this. That would be Justin Fields learning three new offenses in a four-year span. Like, I don't think people understand how hard that is to do, especially at the quarterback position, because – you know this, usually at the quarterback position, it takes you to about year two to really get the nuances of the offense and feel comfortable in the offense. And then when somebody comes out and says, we want to do right by Justin, that lets you know that most likely they're leaning towards one way, right? So um, it's interesting that they said that because usually only vet players get that treatment. We saw Devontae Adams, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, those guys have played for a long time, get that kind of treatment when they knew the team was going to trade him. Like, let me pick my destination. So I think it's great for Ryan Poles and kudos to him. It'll show players that are potentially coming out in free agency, free agency that, you know, the GM actually cares about the players and he wants to do the right thing. Now, again, this is a business. We know this, well, Brady. Hold on, hold on, this hold is on. A let business. Me, let, let me just I'm push, just saying, let me they do what they want to do. Let but, me push back on that for yeah. this reason. Um, they're doing right by Justin Fields. They're doing right for themselves, too. <laughs> if, you, if you get to the beginning of the new league year and you all of a sudden get these trades occurring, whether Russell Wilson goes and finds a new destination, yeah. we don't know what Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield are going to do. They will be free agents. However, they could sign back with their respective teams in Minnesota and Tampa. But there's also a chance maybe they end up signing somewhere else. Maybe yeah. Atlanta gets word and that's who they want to go to. If that's Ooh. the case, you start to eat up some of those uh, opportunities that maybe Justin Fields would have. And I think the other thing is for each one of those teams that we view on the outside as saying – They've got a quarterback problem. They need to solve it and find someone. Is Justin Fields the right fit in Pittsburgh? Is he the right fit in Atlanta? With Pittsburgh, that's more of a team where I feel like they've already got a quarterback in Kenny Pickett who's been there two years, yeah. and they're still trying to figure out what he is. Well, isn't that kind of somewhat how people feel about Justin Fields? And if that's the case, it doesn't make as much sense for me for put Justin Fields in Pittsburgh. Wouldn't you rather bring in a guy like Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, a more veteran player where you know what you're getting and what you're working with if you're Arthur Smith, their new old coordinator. So I'm just saying, as much as we want to make this about we're going to do right by him, you're doing right, right by yourself because too. that's going to maximize their trade potential, what they get back in return for Justin Fields. Otherwise, once these spots start getting eaten up by other quarterbacks, yeah. you're not going to have any trade value. Well, I would push back on that only because right, when you talk about a Russell Wilson, you say you know what you're going to get. We haven't. No. That's a different point, though. Oh, okay. You're yeah. straying away from the point, though, of what we're talking about in regards to Ryan Paul. Yeah. Well, to me, yes, they are doing right by themselves because they're trying to maximize the, the opportunity to send them to multiple teams and get the highest bidder right. for a pick, which is smart, right? That's right. great business, what they're doing. But it could be a situation where he comes out and says, no matter what, we're just going to see you where you get the best value. I don't know if this is a scenario like this because – he has, I mean, again, Justin Fields is a professional athlete, but he has been screwed over in Chicago in regards to, like I said, you know it's this is a quarterback. It's been tough. Yeah, like to learn that many different systems and have success, it's tough. And 
to me, honestly, I wouldn't make the trade for Caleb. I know people talking about starting over the economic clock, but you technically still got three years of Justin Fields without paying him if you want to, right? You have the fifth year option you could use. So right. well, this even, will be his fourth year. Even this year, year his cap it actually is going to be lower. Than that's, that's what Williams I'm saying. Be. So it's like to me, like when people say we start the economic clock, I'm like, well, Caleb Williams is technically going to make more money than him this calendar year, and you have the fifth year option, so you have this year, next year, and then. You could even tag him after that. So right. technically, you still have three years without paying him a contract extension. Now, again, you want to know by year three whether you feel like the quarterback is the quarterback for the future. Right. But this is a different circumstance. Not only has he gone through new coaching staff, he's gone through a new GM as well and multiple offensive coordinators. So, like, when I look at a team like Atlanta and you talk about the upside of Justin Fields, it's way higher than a Desmond Ritter. It just makes too much too much sense for him to go to a team like that. I also feel like uh, this is one of the scenarios where you're a general manager like Ryan Poles. You've had the opportunity now twice yeah. to select which quarterback you want. I, I would assume, and I think most people feel this way, if Caleb Williams was in last year's draft class, he probably would have been taken number one probably. overall then. If that's the case, and that's how high the, the prospect grade is on him, yeah. man, it'd be hard if you're it's, a general it's, manager it's to pass impossible. up on taking him. Uh, just because, it, and it's nothing against Justin Fields, yep. But that's the the draft selection that he makes Correct. to solidify his legacy mm. in Chicago, and uh, it's almost like you know when you get like that mystery box. Like, <laughs> we passed up here? the first What's time, yeah. but now we get the second time. Like I don't know if I can, I, you know, I, I'm gonna have to open. I'm gonna have to yeah. take that opportunity. And that's the thing, Ryan Poles has the way, right? When you know Caleb Williams coming out, when Justin Fields was coming out, when you look at the two guys, right? Who had the higher upside? Who's you think is going to be more generational? And to your point, right, most GMs want to stake their claim on their draft pick with their quarterback, whether it's bringing somebody in free agency or picking somebody high in the draft. And Ryan Poles has yet to be able to do that because, again, he had the chance last year, traded away that pick. He's in that same opportunity again by the grace of God or the Carolina Panthers where he gets to pick number one overall. So I think, like you said, for him to be able to stake his claim to say, this was the guy that I brought in to change things around in right. Chicago, it's just kind of too hard to pass up. And I think the other last thing I just said on this topic is both uh, Ryan Poles and Justin Fields have had to listen to this conversation. Oh, God. Ever since it was locked in, Carolina had the number one pick, which obviously is Chicago's. Yeah. And once they were out of the playoff run, then it kind of gave you that extra ammunition if you're Justin Fields to say, you need to invest in me. I got you to the playoffs. We're progressing. Not, not saying that they still shouldn't. As I've said before, I would still rather stick with Fields in That's Chicago. That's me too. But it doesn't appear as if they're going to go that direction. Well, talking about another team that might be going in a different direction, or they for sure are now, the New England Patriots. New head oh, coach, man. Trod Mayo. We look in the front office. They have the Patriots director of scouting, Elliot Wolf, in saying that, uh, well, they're going to have a, a little less of a hard-ass <laughs> vibe uh, than previous. I love that. <laughs> so read between the lines, Leger, what is Elliot Wolf saying here? That Bill Belichick was running everything, and he, he had a hard-ass vibe in the building, and people most likely were probably working scared in that building. Now, uh, I've heard Gerard Mayo in regards to him being a coach. I mean, he came out the same year I came out, was a heck of a player in New England, uh, but they say he's a people's person, Brady. So in regards to him saying hard-ass vibe, I think that's what he's talking about. Like, All right, well, then, as, well, define then for people what a people person is. Does that just be a nice guy? Like, hey, he gets along with everyone? Well, you for people that don't know, Bill Belichick has like a, a dry humor. It's yeah. like very weird yeah, in sure. regards. Well, they said Gerard Mayo speaks to everybody when they come. So I guess it is. A, he's a good dude. And actually Cause, cause let me try to this. build. He actually tries to build relationships as, on the team. As you look at some of the greatest coaches who've ever done it. Yeah. All right. How many are nice guys? That's true. Or players, too, in that matter. 
I mean, usually they, <laughs> they get a little jerk to him. I'm just yeah. saying, like, if Bill Belichick's the greatest of all time, you could pick and choose kind of which guys you want to – maybe there's some oper- – you know, there, there's some moments where you're like, oh, they seem – like Andy Reid seems like a nice guy. Correct. I, I didn't have a chance to play for him. Maybe some players. Right, they say he gets after players, though. <laughs> so, yeah. so maybe that's different behind closed doors. But yeah. there's like this. And Nick Saban. Everyone said Nick Saban's the greatest college football coach oh, ever. They said he's a dick. I, I, don't, I don't know that anyone would view him as, as not being a jerk Correct. at times, right? Yeah. So I, I almost wonder if this is a good thing. Like if I'm a New England Patriots fan, I hear this. I'm going, wait a second. Well, Are we getting like soft now? Is that what we're I don't think they're getting to? soft. I think we've had this discussion too, Brady, when it came to Bill Belichick. And people were so surprised that he wasn't getting opportunity to interview for a lot of teams, you know, after the Atlanta, um, he didn't get the Atlanta gig. And I kept saying, um, is this coaching style conducive to the current NFL right now? So like, I think more or less, that's what, you know, they were saying in the Patriots building, like as far as the way he coaches the Patriot way. And, you know, people have always tried to explain what is the Patriot way, right? It's the team that's not going to beat themselves, right? Right. They're going to, they're going to out execute you every single play. Right. And they're going to do the little things right. Right now, again, you definitely want some carryover in that because that's how you win football games. But, uh, just going back to some players that I know that went there and they said, I literally came here for one year to win a Super Bowl because it's not conducive to my NFL career to be here three or four years. Right. I don't think I'll be able to play as long because from everything I heard, like they practiced extremely hard throughout yeah. the week. Right. You're going to they're going to get out of you and they're going to detail you to death, which, again, you want to be attention to detail oriented. But again, um, if it's running you into the ground and maybe taking a year or two off the back end of your career, that's why so many players are like, I'm coming here for a year to win a Super Bowl. And then I'm out. All right. We saw Darrell Reeves do it. Chris Long do it. Uh, multiple other players do it and then have success at other teams. Um, so I just think there's going to be a change of philosophy when it comes to that in New England now. There definitely, or at least it sounds like there's going to be. I don't know if that's a good thing for the New England Patriots, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Again, a uh, new era there in New England. Well, we got to take a break. When we come back, we were talking tags, who's getting them, Ooh. who isn't. Tag, you're it. What that means for everyone involved. Stick around. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's talk some tags. We kind of already mentioned earlier about the news of Legereus Sneed yeah. uh, coming out, at least at the Combine, that he is probably going to get the tag, but there's a chance that if they can't agree to a long-term deal, he's going to get traded. So we can kind of cross that one off the list. And we assume that was going to be the case, right? Chris Jones, the yeah, tag is too expensive. for sure. And if you're Legereus Sneed, you probably thought you were going to walk in free agency, right, uh, at the beginning of this because of the depth in the secondary. Does that mean, though, in your mind, that Chris Jones will get a long-term deal done with the Chiefs? Well, they've come out and said it publicly right like they're real their real concern right now is making sure that chris long uh, chris jones gets under a contract right because 
Uh, they didn't want to have to use the tag on him, so they used it on Jerry Snead as a you know bargaining chip for another team that potentially wants to come get him. Kind of like the D Ford trade between the Chiefs and the 49ers, where the 49ers had to give up a second round pick to get him. So Jerry Snead, I think, ultimately won't be back with the 49ers. I don't see him taking a hometown discount. He's earned the right to get top corner money. Didn't give up a touchdown until the playoffs all last year. He was very dominant, and we talked about the depth the Chiefs had. So. If you're Snead, yeah, go, go get your bread, man. Yeah, I'm with you on that. But uh, it looks like he's going to get tagged, so we can put him on the list. Uh, but, again, one of the interesting things about the type of tags that will be putting on, I feel like early on, or at least, I don't know, you know, maybe a decade ago, mm. we started seeing more teams put out the exclusive franchise tag, which yep. didn't give other teams the opportunity to negotiate. Right. Now we see teams put on that non-exclusive franchise tag, mm. a little less money that's going to end up being paid out to them in that case. And also, look, if there's going to be a suitor out there, if they can go ahead and do the negotiation for that team. Why not? And I also wonder if that's a tactic, too, to for the player and the agent. Mm. To where it doesn't make it as, um, I don't know, I don't want to say controversial, but mm. it doesn't make it as hard when you're exclusively dealing with one team. It's like, well, we put the non-exclusive tag on you. No one else came to you to offer you a long-term deal. So it looks like we're the good guys in all this <laughs> as opposed to everyone else. Yeah, right? that's, and that's the gamesmanship from teams, right? We saw the Ravens kind of do that with Lamar Jackson last year, and they were waiting to see if a team would come. I thought it was interesting that so many teams were just so adamant and vocal early saying – yeah, we don't have Atlanta. <laughs> exactly. Atlanta. We don't have any interest in Lamar Jackson. But to your point, right, I think it's a smart tool to use if you're a team that has a current player and you do give him the franchise tag where another team can do the negotiation for you. And that was the question with Lamar. A lot of teams didn't want to jump into the boat because it's like we're negotiating against ourselves because the Ravens can match anything that we do. So it's just like we didn't negotiate with Lamar and the Ravens counter that. Like, what are we doing here? It's counterproductive what right. we're doing. So I think it's smart with these next three guys we're going to talk about. We kind of already talked about LeJerry Sneed, but the next two guys you're going to bring up. You know me, I was adamant about the receiver on this list. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to transition to the running backs, though. Oh, okay. So let's, let's, let's transition. We're going to talk about uh, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs. Yeah. It doesn't sound like Josh Jacobs is going to get the tag, but the New York Giants are talking about potentially putting a second tag on Saquon Barkley. And I have to be honest with you. I'm not bothered by that. Like I, to me, I think this entire offense revolves around Saquon Barkley, and if he's not there, it almost feels like they're rebuilding without saying it. And mm -hmm. so maybe that gives you a sense too of what the Giants may do in the draft. Like yeah. yes, they have Daniel Jones, but you also get the sense that with where they're picking in the top ten, there could be a quarterback <laughs> that falls to them. And Daniel Jones is the placeholder this season Correct. for that rookie to kind of get his feet underneath him and then move forward as a starter, depending on maybe who drops to them at six? Yeah, so me and DK had this conversation yesterday, and uh, J.J. McCarthy is a name that's really picking up steam in regards to being a top-ten pick. Um, he thinks the Giants will have a new starting quarterback. Now, again, we think if they do draft McCarthy, I think Daniel Jones will be a bridge quarterback because I just don't foresee you paying somebody $47 million to stay on the bench. Right. And if you you cut him, it's sixty nine million dollars. So that's not going to happen either. In regards to the Saquon Barkley thing, if they were to tag him, I think the tag number is like around twelve million dollars. Well, it'd be one hundred twenty percent of what he had last year, yeah. which remember, they got twelve million last year. They sweetened the deal, gave him a little I bit. I thought of it was like ten point one, but they gave him an incentive. But he was never going to reach that. So, it, But it'd be a, it'd be bigger than that number because, again, yeah. it's one hundred twenty percent of that number. So one hundred twenty percent, obviously, of the, of the twelve million that's slated right now. OK, Um if I'm him, I'm signing it right away because he's not getting that on the open market. We've right. seen, for one, how deep the, the free agent market is at running back. I can't remember a time where it was this many top-tier running backs on the market when you talk about 
Derrick Henry, uh, potentially Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, DeAndre Swift. And let's not even forget, Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon could be cap casualties, and they could be added to that free agent market. So if the, the Giants were to tag him, I think Saquon came out early and was said, I just want to know what they're going to do. If they're going to tag me, just let me know early. If I'm him, I'm like Tony Pollard last year. I'm running to sign that because um, – for a couple of different scenarios that I've looked at online, supposedly because he didn't have the production that he had the year before, um, he's slated to make around $10 million a year. That's what they're projecting he could potentially make. Where if you're talking about making upwards of $12-plus plus million on a one-year deal, in New York, where we know is the media capital of the world, which you can make more money off the field, why wouldn't you run and go sign that right away? As a Or if you wait – you run the risk of the Giants pulling that tag back, and then where are you at? Yeah, I think it's a it's an interesting conundrum for him and his agent because as much as you feel like you do have a lot of upside, at least I think so, within today's NFL, right? A running back who can do everything you're looking mm. for. He can be a game changer for you. There is a little bit of an injury history, which is always a concern, but the problem is more that the running back value in the open market has gone down, right? Oh. A lot of teams are using running back by committee. And because of that now, they're not necessarily putting a ton of money into the running back position. And so if that's the case, you know, are you going to be you know, able to, to, to get anything anywhere close to even $10 million yeah, a, a year? And, and can you get up to two years in guarantees? So at Probably. least you have a little more financial security over the course of the next couple of seasons as opposed to just that one year yeah. – you know, 12 plus million dollars that you've got on a guaranteed deal. I mean, that's ultimately as a running back, what you're looking for is a little longer term financial security with some of those guarantees you can, you have within a, a long term extension or in the case of a running back and uh, just an extension and anything, yeah, anything more than one year. So that's the tough part there. What wide receivers did you want to talk about? Uh, T Higgins, right? Well, he already got the tags. So. Yeah, he got, but as I'm saying, I think that's going to be a tag not to keep him but to trade him because if you look to at this trade him okay well if you look at the scenario right jamar chase is due for a deal and he was very vocal but they've the, said they've got enough cap space for all of it right they already extended burrow and then chase will be next they do year, because but, the cap went up but right. my thing is if you're t higgins and jamar chase gets a deal and you've been waiting for a deal how do you feel about that well it's just the way they were drafted into it right it's not it's 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 the way they've entered the league he can't he can't worry about that i mean you can if you're due for a deal well, sure, but like, so, so what does he do? Just play under the tag? Well, that's what I'm saying. No, I think he wants to get traded and get some that financial security. Now, again, he's going to get upwards to t- close to $20 million on the tag. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He's gotten the tag. Yeah. So, what's his recourse? He just doesn't show doesn't up. Doesn't show up. He pulls a Le'Veon Bell. I, I don't know that you could do that. He didn't have a good enough season last year to pull that card. And in other words, you only get a year older. And now you're kind of like running the risk of there's a lot of good wide receivers come out in the draft, too. This is there a deep is. class for it. I just but a lot of people see him as a true number one. Yeah, I, I see him as a number Me one. Me too. I'm just so. saying, I don't know that your best or most viable option is leaving a place where you've got Joe Burrow as your quarterback. I get you're that. gonna be competing for Super Bowls, at least division championships in the playoffs, and then you still have the opportunity to sign a long-term deal with a lot of financial security. Because I think they want to keep him. I think they want to have Tegan T- Higgins on one side. Jamar Chase on a lot of money allocated to the receiver position. Yeah, it is. And quarterback for that matter. But you've got the ability to do that when you have a salary cap as high as it is. And you have Joe Burrow at quarterback. Like to me personally, you could restructure his contract every year to convert a portion of that into a signing bonus, spread it out, and then be able to create more cap space for other players. So I'm not when you when you're a team with a quarterback, right? And you hear Brandon Bean kind of say this in regards to the amount of picks they gave up to trade up and take Josh, Josh Allen. Allen yeah. yeah, he's like, hey, look, if it doesn't work out, I'm not going to be here. If it does work out, no one's going to care. Yeah. It's the same thing with how much you spend on your quarterback. If it's working out, 
No one cares. No one cares. No one cares. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and you can Except for the owner that's writing a check. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, maybe him. But yeah, if, if, you're, if you're winning Super Bowls you like Clark Hunt and all that, he doesn't care. He'll yeah. gladly write the check. So I think when you look at how you go about structuring a contract with another player, when you've got a Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Pat, whoever, yeah. you've got a little more ability to say, I feel good about every single year going to refinancing with my mortgage company, which is my quarterback, and then creating more cap space there. And yeah, you're gonna have some cap casualties, but yeah. that's the name of the game. Like you've got a guy who knows your system and right away can come in and be a 1A, 1B with, with Jamar Chase, a wide receiver. I just think it's interesting because in today's society, not even say today's society, I can say this for football as long as it's been around, some players put an emphasis on financial security more than winning championships. And we've seen that. My only thing is, is I don't think he has control over that right now. Like, I, I think if you're going to go, go play under the franchise tag, have a great year, then you force the Bengals into saying, all right, we got to pay Chase and we got to extend him or put the tag on one of these two, right? Okay. That's a different scenario. Like, yeah. that scenario to me makes a lot more sense than sitting out a year. We, like, we've seen that. We've seen that movie and it, yeah. it didn't work out too well. Well, yeah. I, ultimately, I don't think he sits out a, a year because you don't want to not get paid $20 million, right? But we've also seen players that have been put on the tag that don't have as productive of years sure. end up getting less money because of it, right? We saw Saquon Barkley, and this could have been the running back market period, but we've seen Saquon Barkley. We saw Josh Jacobs, who led the league in wrestling the year before, not have as a productive year. Now they're going to get way less than they probably would have gotten on the open market. Well, a lot of that has to do too, like Jimmy Garoppolo got benched. That became a disaster in, in, in uh, Las Vegas. If you look at the Giants, Daniel Jones gets hurt. Yeah. That becomes a little bit. It of was a already a disaster. Like, Why he was healthy though. So you, you kind of understand, <laughs> like, like, look, as a player, you're always taking that risk, right? You can't tell the future. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, if, if something doesn't go your way and then all of a sudden they're stacking the box to stop the run because they don't feel threatened by the quarterback, of course that's going to play an impact on you. I, I just think if you're T. Higgins, you got to kind of look at the bigger picture of, yeah, I could get paid a ton of it. Because the other end of this argument is he gets the first crack at the apple. Yeah. Like if they sign an extension, he might get a great deal. Yeah. And so we don't necessarily know what that's going to look like. All we know right now is they got the cap space to be able to pay him, and then they can worry about Jamar Chase the next year. But the way Jamar Chase was talking, he, he's not trying, it don't sound like he was trying to hear that. Because even a reporter asked him, what, would you potentially take less money to re sign T. Higgins? You know what his answer was? No. He was like, uh, that's a good question. He was like, well, it doesn't necessarily need to come from me. It comes from somebody else. <laughs> so I think he's trying to reset the market, Jamar Chase. And he would probably love for Justin Jefferson to get paid first so he could talk what he's going to make. And the tough thing about this is, as we kind of wrap this conversation, is just the the Brown family for the Cincinnati Bengals, obviously, not as flush with cash like a lot of the other numbers we see. So that could be difficult as far as the structure, figuring out how you get a big signing bonus mm-hmm. and, and you it's cash over cap. So how and you that's figure it, he out was how adamant about that, the, the upfront money and the guarantees. So. which is what a lot of players want for more of their financial security and a lot of those guarantees. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about our draft process. I'll talk Ooh. to you about my experience going to the combine. Leger, you took a little bit different route there, but yeah. still a lot to discuss on the other side. All right. As I kind of mentioned a moment ago, you know, we each had our different path into the NFL. And for some, they have the opportunity to go to the combine, which is essentially a, a big interview, right? Yeah. Mostly important for the medical. I mean, that's really why it was started in the first place to be able to see, you know, what ailments, what issues, Correct. you know, as a player, when you go to the combine, you, you go through every single team's medical uh, staff. So you have the different doctors pull on your shoulders and your legs. And I, I remember, and usually they were broke out in rooms of four. So you have four teams in each of those rooms and they're primarily doing the same test. They're doing a lot of the tests on Literally. your knees <laughs> to make sure those ligaments are intact. And same thing, elbows, arms, everything else. It's almost like getting like an executive physical 32 times. I mean, that's what it feels like. <laughs> 
I remember getting to the very last room, one of the last teams, and I had had a torn PCL from the bowl game my senior year. And for whatever reason, I don't want to tell anyone about it. I wasn't trying to be dishonest. I was just like, I don't need to give anyone any more ammunition Correct. to not draft me somewhere in the first round. Yeah. So I was trying to be quiet about it. I had rehabbed it as best I could. Uh, I even happened to see the doctor who was who I consulted with on this injury because he was a team doctor. And you know, he kind of said, oh, you've done well. He kind of gave me the wink and all that. And, and so I don't know like how that really works. I mean, yeah. obviously, HIPAA, you can't necessarily share with anyone else. But uh, obviously, their team knew the, the injury that I'd sustained. So, you know, moving on to the very last room, you know, at that point, so many people are pull, picking, pulling, prodding on you. They test out both my knees and, they, and the doctor kind of tests out my bad knee and goes back to the other one. And he goes, you know what? Let's get some imaging on this. <laughs> You're like, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's your worst nightmare as a player because, look, the medical staff in Indianapolis does an unbelievable job of handling this huge influx of players who need x-rays and MRIs right, and yeah. like anything <laughs> you can think of as far as imaging goes. So they do a great job. But Guys get upset. We've seen him past oh, years. Guys sure. get frustrated. So I just remember like him saying, you know what? Why don't we get him on both knees? And I was like, all right. And so you kind of have to take it in stride. But it's a it's a lot of hurry up and wait, um, whether that's to meetings, whether that's to your medical evaluations, whether that's to cognitive testing, uh, physical testing, anything else. And you don't get a lot of sleep because they wake you up a lot of the early mornings. They drug test you. There's a P, there's PED tests. They try to get you up to go in to measure your you know height, weight, hand size, all that. Yeah. That's that whole sort of thing. So it is a big time job interview. Although I will say this, it's become much more of a made for TV event, yeah. and not so much for the players. Mm. And back when I was there, I would at least say the testing was earlier in the day. Uh, at night, it was more meetings, and you'd be you know going and having breakout sessions with teams. They'd be testing you on the board, watching film with you. Uh, these almost 15, 20 minute speed sessions, which was pretty unique. But, but nowadays that still happens. The difference is like a lot of testings at night. Which and so it's crazy. One, it's one of the reasons why I was going to say, you're not seeing a lot of guys throw. Some guys don't even want to test because pro days become that much more important and pivotal because yeah. they have the opportunity to be in a comfortable setting that they know where they can perform their best. Cause you get one shot at doing this. Right. Yep. So talk to me a little bit about um, just your process going through it. You didn't go to the combine. Obviously yeah. your pro day was much bigger then. Correct. Yeah. So throughout the process, you know, just getting ready, thinking I was going to get an invite to the combine uh, all-star game, went to that, did well. Um, then found out I wasn't going to the combine. So like you said, everything uh, meant so much more for pro day. So while everybody's at combine, you're continuing to train and uh, sidebar, like I'm with you hundred percent. I think the combine's overrated. It's big for teams in regards to finding out the medicals. Yeah. But other than that, it's just like you see so many coaches not going anymore because it's essentially a waste of time for coaches because, like you said, it's like speed dating. You don't truly get to know who a player is in and, 15, 20 minutes. And that's why I don't have any issue with any player not performing. Me either. They're, they're <laughs> telling you what they think of it when head coaches don't go. And I, I know in some situations you'd say, well, they're not the decision maker for the draft. But the reality is, like, if the head coaches aren't going, the guy who you're going to be playing for, yeah. like, obviously they don't think that's that big of a deal. Exactly. And, and I think it's it's changed a lot from what it used to be. And, and that's why your scouting department is so pivotal, right? Because they're there when you're having practices with your team during your college year or you go to an all-star game. They want to see how you interact, right? They yeah. want to ask the questions of people that have been close with you, how you are off the field. Like, that's where you truly get to learn who a player is. Not in a 15, 20-minute breakout uh, session where for 10 of those minutes, 
They're asking you to recall what you did th- throughout the season. The other 10 minutes, they're asking you some of the weirdest questions you've ever heard. Matter of fact, Sidebar, what was the weirdest question you ever got in one of those breakout sessions? Um, I don't know that I got too many weird questions. I do remember specifically Gary Kubiak, who at the time was the head coach of the Houston Texans and sitting across from me and kind of got across the table. He's like, are you ready to lead a team? He's like, you know, we, you know, we need a guy to come in or win. He's like, you know, otherwise we're all going to get fired. And it's kind of like one of those, te- those tests of like how you'd handle it. <laughs> exactly. And I sat there, I was like, look, coach, I've been through a coach firing. Like that was one of the worst days of my life to that point. Uh, I went to play for Ty Willingham. I, to this day, I've told Ty Willingham this. I feel like I let him down. Mm. And, uh, that that impacted me in a big way. I remember it how it impacted a guy like Mike Denbrock, who's back at Notre Dame now as the offensive coordinator, because uh, he was there on our staff as the tight ends coach. And, and I felt I felt responsible as a player for not playing well enough when they needed me to. So uh, I told him, I, I understand how serious this is because I've already been through it. You know, I already felt like I'd been through that portion of the business. So that was probably one of the tougher questions that that I was asked. I mean. I, the visits are the other thing that you'll get. Yeah, I mean, so I, that that was big for me. So I didn't go to the combine, but pro day did well, and I went on three, you know, okay. visits. Uh, I think at the time when we came out, I think you could only go on maybe five to seven or something like that. Now I think it's like open book. Like guys yeah. go to so many different teams on a visit. So when I went to visit to Tampa Bay, uh, Jacksonville, and I'm trying to think what was the last team I went to, but that's where I did a little bit of the medical. Um, got to sit down with the D line coach, D coordinator, and go through recalls of, of stuff I went through throughout the season. So that's where my process was a little different from somebody that went to the combine. Like the pro day was big for me, monumental. And then also I had workouts, uh, and they still do this where specific teams can come and work you out if they want to do it one on one, right? So had a personal workout with the Jacksonville Jaguars yep. as well. When it was interesting, I ended up going to them two years later, not coming out of the draft, but uh, didn't get drafted, went undrafted, and you know, 10 years later, you know, had a heck of a career. And that's the thing, too, is a lot of these teams, you know, we, we talk about the importance of like a pro day or a combine performance because they stick with you. You know, you you run the 40, that sticks with you forever. Even yeah. when you're a five, six, seven-year vet, like they're going to look at you and go, well, this is what he ran, this kind of speed he's capable of. Exactly. That's what they're going to talk about. So, you know, I was, I was a person who I didn't perform at the combine outside doing the bench press, which – I mean that whole story. What a, <laughs> My man was putting them up though. So you're so so you are um, you're paired with a scout yeah. from each team, and we happen to have a scout for the Denver Broncos. His name is escaping me at the moment, but um, he convinced me because Jay Cutler, who was in the draft class yeah. before me, had benched, and he's like, "Oh, I bet you can beat his record." And I was like, "Yeah, I probably can." I think he did 22 or whatever it yeah. was, and he's like, "You know, go up and do." It. He's like, "No one's doing it." You know, everyone's opting out. Blah blah blah. And he's like, you're not doing anything else. Just, just go up and do that. If you're not going to Oh, he hyped you up. <laughs> so man, I, I, called, I called my agent, Tom Condon. And I was like, you know, Tom, I don't know. I'm thinking about, you know, maybe, you know, doing the bench or something. He's like, oh, he's like, Braids, that, that would be a good idea. He's like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you should do this. Yeah, agent's probably scared. So, anything can happen on that bench press. And I, I called up my head coach, Charlie Weiss, at the time. And we were at a pro day like a week later. Yeah. So however oh, it ended wow. on Sunday, Monday, it was like later on that week. Mm-hmm. And so Charlie had some, some really – really harsh language for me over the phone uh, that it would be a really dumb decision. And so like any young kid, what did I do? I was like, ah, screw it. I'll just go bench. <laughs> so uh, I remember benching. I think I did like 24 reps. And I was yeah. like, all right. It was what I was disappointed with because I know if I would have trained for it, test for it, I probably could have done a little bit better. That's probably the meathead in me growing up in Columbus, Ohio, and being a kid <laughs> who like went to Westside Barbell. Yeah. Um, but 
that was one of the more memorable like adrenaline rushes. And I, I know I'll never forget this. Like as soon as I get done doing it, right. And you know, you, anytime you do like a, a peak performance type test, your adrenaline's racing, like right. your body is like trying not to lock up. Your hands are shaking. We did the wonder look right after that. Oh, I remember tough. I was like, I was like holding my pen. I was Shake like, I, I can't even <laughs> like cross anything down. Cause I was still amped up from what we had just done. Thank so you. it was, uh, it was a unique experience. Uh, I still, to this day though, think the funniest thing that I'll, I'll never forget. And it wasn't like any part of it that I was a part of the combine, but you get a roommate when you go there. Yep. And I was fortunate enough. I got my guy, Darius Walker, who was a running back in Notre Dame when I was there. Oh, that's love. D-Walk, D-Walk was the best. But the thing was, we never really saw each other. Like, we were always missing each other because of your schedules, testing, everything else that you're doing. So basically, like, I'd get back to the room. He'd already be asleep. Or he'd come back or, or already be asleep in the room. So you never really got to talk or, you know, really hang out. But Sony Michelle. So I, w- I interviewed Sony Michelle one year. And he had told me, he goes, I was like, do you even know your roommate's name? And he's like, no. no. And I was like, dude, I was like, what do you it's mean? It's so random, yeah. I'm like, that dude is sleeping four feet across from you. you might and when know you get man. back to the room, you don't know who he is? I was like, I cannot do that. I could, I could not sleep next to a complete stranger crazy, for three right? days. And he's four feet away. And like, not have some sort of conversation of like, what's up, man? Like, what's your name? That's Where the combine from? for you, though, man. That is the combine. It is the uh, most awkward uh intense interview anyone will ever have for sure all right that's probably a good way to wrap up today's show <laughs> um make sure to join us tomorrow we're having a, a fun conversation it's the rumor show where brinson Ooh. and john breach will rebuff or confirm the scuttlebutt going around the league remember to like comment and subscribe on our youtube page for everyone listening to the audio only version make sure you download follow leave a five-star review and tell your friends to listen and watch the pod thanks so much for the pick six podcast